This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. So welcome to the Saturate Podcast. This week, I have Daniel M. joining us. Uh, he's a, a pastor, a thought leader, writer, all around, really good person. He uh, co-authored Planting Missional Churches with Ed Stetzer, uh, super influential, especially even as he's gathered stories from Soma and Saturate, as he shared them, that these books uh, and resources have been a very big influence on us. And so we just want to have him on the podcast today to share about his new book, uh, which I think is going to be a very big uh, game changer, not just as we you know start churches that are making missional communities, but even as we transition for many of us, as we're trying to think of what do we do next? Uh, the book is called No Silver Bullets. Uh, and thanks for joining the podcast, Daniel. Yeah, thanks, Brad. It is fantastic, and I'm excited to to be here with you guys. I like I said earlier when we were talking, I love Soma, friends with Jeff Vanderstelt, and just I mean, I just love everything that Soma and and Soma Saturate is about. So it's a it's an honor. Yeah, thanks. Wanted to ask, you know, just before we dive into the content of the book, you know, what does a normal life or or disciple making look like for you these days? Yeah, so I have three children, an almost eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. So there's a lot of discipleship that goes on within the home with them. I actually was able to baptize my my seven, well, she's still seven right now. So my seven and six-year-old about four months ago. So that was a that was a really exciting journey where the year before that we did not really a concert, not really catechism in the sense of what you would think is a catechism, but in a sense, yeah. just really helping them understand the gospel, understand, mm. hey, this is what baptism is. And after that, we waited probably about a year. And mm. the next time our church was going to be doing baptism, they're like, oh, we really want to get baptized. So. I, I essentially brought them up to my room one at a time and, you know, walked through the gospel with them and made sure mm. that they were able to articulate it and articulate the meaning of baptism and that baptism doesn't save you. And, you know, it's a, it's a sign, it's a and testimony and all that stuff. So it was so, super cool because uh, just the honor of being able to baptize my kids and them wow. writing invitation cards and inviting their non-Christian friends wow. uh, to church. So that was super cool. So that's what it looks like in the home. I mean, I read the Bible and pray with them every night or try to yeah. every night. Um, other than, you know, those odd occasions where everything <laughs> is just <laughs> falling yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah. You're just screaming at them to fall asleep. Yeah. Yes. Just go to bed. Why yeah. is it so hard? Yeah. yeah so I, I appreciate that you said that, you know, I think that'll make everyone feel more you know, normal of like, yes. everyone no. has those moments. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, Last night coming home from a missional community dinner, uh, that is exactly what we did. You're like, can we read? Can you read us a story from the Jesus took storybook Bible? And we said, no, let's go to sleep. Yeah, it's yeah. nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. I think we must have been like living in the same world <laughs> yesterday because <laughs> that's what happened to us yesterday as well. So that's what that looks like there. So I serve as a yeah. teaching pastor at my church. I'm full time at Lifeway, leading newchurches.com. But 
I, I'm a pastor and love preaching. So it's, it's, it's really neat. I don't know if you want me to get into it, but I, I serve bivocationally as a teaching pastor at my church. And yeah, every awesome. Friday morning, uh, there's a guy in my life group who was really at a point a few weeks ago where he was like, man, you know, things aren't, you know, he was just talking to me about a situation and just kind of trying to stutter through and being like, well, I, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to meet one-on-one and sometimes it's not always good to group. And I was like, I, I knew what he was trying to get at. And at the end I was just like, Hey, so are you asking me to disciple you? <laughs> and he's like, yes. And I'm like, great. Every Friday, <laughs> 6 a.m., read the Bible. We're going to, you know, you're going to be reading the Bible every single day and we're going to, I'm going to keep you accountable. We're going to talk through whatever the Holy Spirit has said to you through the word that mm-hmm. week. And I'm going to, that's how we're going to do discipleship. And he's like, great. So that's, cool. that's, that's what that looks like at that, at that one-to-one level as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And uh, yeah, sharing honestly about your life and <laughs> super exciting. You know, I, I uh, long for the day that I get to see any of my children be baptized. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's exciting. So the, the book, uh, No Silver Bullets, uh, subtitle, you know, Five Small Shifts That Will Transform Your Ministry. Uh, when I first heard about this only just a few weeks ago, I got uh, really excited because one, that's something that we say as we start most, a lot of our trainings mm. for especially churches that are wanting to become, you know, missional, or, you know, whatever the, a lot come to us wanting the next cutting edge thing, or, you know, so give us something that we can implement, you know, tomorrow, and then ta-da, we'll, we'll all of a sudden be making disciples. (laughs) And so, but it's hard to, you know, um, to deflect that, you know, uh, as, as an organization, even as a church, you know, you have guests all the time that are moved to the city, want to jump into like, oh, this church has what it takes. If we just implement these, you know, you know, major shift changes, then we're good. Uh, So I was like so excited to get this. But what I guess more specifically for you, uh, what inspired you to, to write this? Yeah. So in my bio, I mean, I've had the privilege of being able to pastor in several different cities and um, now three different countries. And it's just it's it's been neat to be able to to see the difference in that that cities have the, mm-hmm. the way that what, you know, even cultural context and how that influences and and historical context, what that looks like and and how that affects the way that church is done or, or what is considered normal in each of these areas. And then you have a lot of different models. Right. So so regardless, mm-hmm. honestly, so I didn't really want to write something that was specific to house church or mega church or attractional or missional or however else you want to, you know, skin the cat. I mean, it's, I didn't Mm -hmm. want to do that. I just really wanted to take a step back and try to look at discipleship from a 50,000 foot level, right? Like discipleship from a systems level Mm -hmm. and say, you know, what can we learn when we take the unique nuance of the, the the time, the season, and the culture of an area, and how that influences us, and and what what if what if we just kind of take a step back? What are those big, broad systems that affect the way that we view discipleship? Hmm. Right. I mean, here's an example. We 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 shared how we both have three children and are, are married. And if you remember when you're dating your wife. And you, and you would ask, hey, is it, how, how do you know when you've met the one, right? And that's mm-hmm. a very common question that many people ask. How do you know when you when you meet the one? And it's so frustrating because people, what do people say, Brad? 
<laughs> you just know. Yeah, exactly. It's the most frustrating answer. <laughs> but when I got married and people asked me, I was like, well, you just kind of know when you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel yeah. like in the same way, that's how we view discipleship. Right. And it's like, how do you know when someone's mature? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's the fruit of the spirit. Maybe mm-hmm. it's they're reading the Bible. Maybe it's this. And, and you're just like, well, you, you just kind of know when you know. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. Okay. I totally get that. That and, mm-hmm. and, and there is an element of truth to that. But what does it look like to actually objectively, objectively uh, mm-hmm. lo- look at the way that we disciple is there research that we can leverage and and there is i don't know if you wanted me to share that a bit later but there is research that we can leverage as well but really get beyond you know us discipling the way that we've been discipled right Mm -hmm. and 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 because we often disciple the way that we've been discipled we teach the way we've been taught we lead the way we've been led parent the way that we've been parented unless consciously do so otherwise unless we consciously do so otherwise right so that's that's what i'm trying to get with about that's awesome. And so as a result of all that, uh, yeah, research and even sort of examining, you know, how do we know if we've matured disciples, uh, you sort of boil it down to, to basically five small shifts Yes. Uh, in the book. What what are those uh, for you? Yeah, if you can share just sort of briefly, you know, you don't have to give away the whole book in this podcast, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what are those five shifts? And then maybe, you know, which one do you think for you personally, even in mm-hmm. your context, one that that is a that is a struggle or that you're most excited about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the the first shift, and and once again, the book's about discipleship from a systems perspective, all the way to helping a church be able to either create or refine a discipleship pathway. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's really where the book's leading towards. So the first chapter is from moving from a destination mindset of discipleship to a directional one. Right. So this is where, you know, you have a destination mindset of, hey, how do you know someone's mature? Well, it's it's when they have completed these set of classes. Right. Or they go right. through this conversation or they're not only in a missional community, but they're leading a missional community. And right. And so we have all these markers and then you have the directional mindset of discipleship, which is like, well, it's 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 like Eugene Peterson says it's a long mm-hmm. obedience in the same direction. Yeah. Right. So the so the the problem, though, honestly, is if you ask most pastors, most pastors will say, oh, yeah, yeah I, I'm totally the directional. It, it's totally directional. That, that's how I view discipleship, because, right. you know, you look at Philippians, you look at Hebrews 12 and it's like it's it's, you know, running the race of faith with perseverance. And most people, most pastors will say that. Yeah. But when you look at the way they disciple or have created systems of discipleship or or think okay what what can i use to disciple a lot of it is programmatic and a lot of it is actually destination it's a destination mindset yeah right so i actually compare that uh in a, in a matrix with the the idea of organizational accountability where it's mm. like hey if you as a church do you do you do what you say you're gonna do mm. or or do you kind of go from one model to the next Right. Right. So if, if you have, as a church are have low accountability as a church and, and think about discipleship as being destination minded, you're a copycat church. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's you're going from one model to another best conference, mm-hmm. best book, whatnot. And but you're just switching models at right. such a fast rate. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, so that's you just like to change the website. You say, "Hey, this is what our small groups are called now." <laughs> exactly. And then two two years later, you change it again. Exactly. Because right? right. you're not so, I mean, wrestling with did we actually 
do we actually embody the things that we just put on yeah. our website or put on paper? Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the the whole other side that's that, you know, the pastor is saying, oh, no, discipleship is about moving in a, in a direction. It's this ever increasing direction towards Christ. But they have a low sense of accountability as a church. Well, there mm-hmm. are hippie churches. <laughs> right and i right. have to do it in this voice because it's like oh yeah you know what man it's you just it's whatever whatever is good for you whatever is good for you is good right and right. You, you and and just read just read just 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 go to go to go to small group go to the missional community right. you'll be mature uh-huh right? and you're like, yes okay there there is a truth to that but not really <laughs> right so i was you know pastor and Portland, Oregon, uh, hippie Mecca for many, uh, or hipster <laughs> Mecca, uh, for the last eight years. And for the last maybe three, we had to come to this point with all of our leader training, you know, every, even in all of our communities to say, you know what, like organic, like produce that you buy at the store was planted in rows, you know, like the, like, Put away the notion that all of your, you know, oh, like awesome. organic kale just sort of like sprouted out of nothing. So no, there has to be some yeah. sort of garden bed. Yeah, you don't really plan. truly want organic. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that means you're going to have bugs. Yeah, you're going to have bugs or it's like, the you know, the farmer doesn't produce anything, you know, like yeah. you don't accidentally plant, you know, a field of kale, you know, yeah. which is you know, the, the golden meal in Portland. But <laughs> totally. anyway, it seems like that's, yeah, the kind of what you're saying of like, hey, you know, let's just, let's move in this direction. But if you get there, we don't know <laughs> because everything is just sort of up for grabs. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that, so, so those are just two of the four in, in my influences matrix. But then in chapter two, I, I talk about moving from output goals to output goals to input goals. Mm. So it's the idea of moving from discipleship, looking at discipleship from a 50,000 foot level to a one to one level. Hmm. And saying, how do you actually know if someone's mature? Now, there's this research, the transformational discipleship research that came out a few years ago. And, and you can just Google TDA, Lifeway TDA. And, and it was pretty cool because it was like a thousand Protestant pastors, 4,000 laity, Canada hmm. and the U.S. Like, I think it's like 30 percent Canadian sample. And, and, and I bring that up because I'm Canadian. So always got to represent. <laughs> yeah, way to go. I could tell. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> a, a, a. Yeah. You, you pronounce your vowels so well. Yeah. So so what's neat about the research is it's it's awesome. Right. Because maturity is not this elusive cloud that you're like, mm-hmm. oh, what, it, what is maturity look like? Well, there's actually a great research project that's, this was actually built on a longitudinal one that was done years before that. So fantastic research, solid starting point, eight attributes of what a disciple looks like. But I actually went to the Lifeway research team and I was like, hey, you know what? I love how you guys identified the eight, hmm. but even if I print this really beautifully on a card and hand it out to my church, and have it in my newcomers class and preach, uh, you know, an eight week sermon series or every year when I do my vision sermon series, I, I preach this. Like no, no matter how, how, to, how I try to integrate this, mm-hmm. it's not simple enough and it's not tangible enough for the average uh, member of my church who is, who's working 60 hours a week and is, mm-hmm. is leading a missional community and, <laughs> right. And, and has yeah. kids. It's, it's too complicated. It's too complicated. So I was like, does the 80-20 rule apply here? Like, is there is there something that 
we can say, hey, hey, do this, right? Do this. And it's actually going to produce maturity in you. Hmm. Right. And and in their terms, they were like, oh, are you talking about the regression analysis? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I still don't fully understand what regression analysis is. OK, but, you know, I, I wrestled through it a lot with them. So I'll, I'll give you an example. It's, it's fascinating. OK, so here's an input goal. Um, it's some in, input goals are things that you can do. Right. So what if you like encourage your congregation and you personally just started confessing your sins on a real regular basis? You had opportunity during your worship service, missional communities, discipleship times, like it was just a real strong value for your church. What kind of fruit do you think would result in a believer's life if they confess their sins on a regular basis? Uh, what would I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, I would think they would experience freedom from those sins. Yeah. 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 Or, and- yeah, deeper understanding of, yeah, the gospel and mm-hmm. Christ's, yeah, sufficiency for those sins. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and you're right. It would. And, and we say that because that's what it's done in my life. Right. <laughs> that's what it's done in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. We see that. And that's a that's a direct, you know, we, we see that relationship. But when you look at the idea of the input, like something you can do that's going to result, mm-hmm. what kind of maturity it's going to result through the research, they found that individuals who confess their sins were more likely to share Christ. Hmm than those who didn't right there is that strong correlation you're like wait wait tell me so if you if if i so so if you want to encourage your congregation to be more bold about sharing their faith Mm -hmm. so so what does that mean it means well yes you can do a sermon series on how to evangelize you can have classes you can make it normal which i love how soma is just i mean i I love the rhythms yeah i love the rhythms but it's like hey actually make it a value to confess your sins. Hmm. And that's actually what's going to lead to people sharing Christ. Wow. Right. And you're like, so, so that's, just, that's just one of the many uh, input output goals that Lifeway research uh, just generously gave to me. And they're like, Hey, feel, feel free to use this uh, in your book. And so they, they gave me permission to print it all out and, and wrestle through it and, and figure out how does that actually make sense for someone like mm-hmm. me, <laughs> a, yeah. a local church pastor and, 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 and church leaders to understand. Hmm. Man, that's fascinating. Yeah. That, and the, and it does make sense. You know, whenever you think more about it, you're like, Oh Yeah the greatest evangelistic fruit in my life all happened when I was going through such intense things in my marriage to where even with non-Christians, I had to like come to this place of like, yeah, I'm just like totally a sinner, but like, look at God's grace. Yeah. And that was where all the fruit came. Yeah. So that's, that chapter is, is so, I mean, as much as the book is really written towards church leaders and pastors, that chapter, and there's a lot of in, in and throughout the book that really applies to lay leaders and individuals who are just like, hey, how do I, how do I kind of break through and, and, and draw nearer to Christ? Like, how do I just grow in maturity? So that's what that in, entire mm-hmm. part is about. Wow, that's awesome. And then towards the, the middle of the book, mm-hmm. I guess you begin talking through, um, 
like how maturity leads towards moving from the goal of being a mature to being missionaries. Yeah. Uh, which really, you know, strikes a chord with us. But I, I wonder, you know, even as you know, Soma and the missional community model, I'm sure that there's a lot for, for us who are like get entrenched in that to, to learn even from that, that shift. Yeah, what's really interesting and, and what, what is really behind that shift is the idea is is ecclesiology is the idea of okay what is what is the church mm-hmm. right how do you understand the church and a lot of times we tr- we understand the church just by what it is rather mm-hmm. than the end as to what what God has designed the church to do mm-hmm. right and it's how do we move from this kind of this 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 sense of this ontological sense of no this is what the church is to a, te- a teleological sense of you know what what is it designed to do mm-hmm. so it's it's fascinating there's uh Chuck Van Engen or or Charles Van Engen in his book in God's uh God's missionary people he actually rewords the Nicene Creed and he makes the Nicene Creed missional <laughs> mm. And it's super cool because the Nicene Creed are actually adjectives. And the Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, I mean, the Nicene Creed is accepted by both Eastern and Western churches. Apostles' Creed is generally really only accepted by the Western church. But the Nicene Creed has four is, is made up of four adjectives. Like there are these four adjectives that are in it. One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And that they really describe what the church is. Mm-hmm. So Van Engen says, hey, what would it look like if we actually move the change the adjectives to adverbs? Hmm. One would become unifying. Mm-hmm. Holy would become sanctifying. Catholic would become reconciling. Hmm. And apostolic would become proclaiming. Right. So as a church, then, if we're if we're wanting to move to a place where, hey, everyone is a missionary, Mm-hmm. Right. We're all I, I love how Jeff Vanderstelt. I mean, I, I heard him say this, you know, so many times where it's like, hey, how you get paid? It, it You know, the paycheck is we're all going to get paid differently, but we all have the same calling. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hey, we're going to be missionaries. We need to be missionaries. So that's that's some of the, the back end of that. Uh, and then I continue to flesh that out, that that journey there in that chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. And so we're coming toward, towards the end of our conversation a little mm-hmm. bit. How does someone, or even if they're just in charge of, for example, like 12 or 20 people, you know, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I, I really appreciate about you is because you, like you said, you've been in all these different cities, you've been in churches of, of 50 to 50,000, you know, mm-hmm. um, but how would, how would someone who's leading a community of people or they're in charge, maybe it's even just a church plan of 20 folks sort of make, you know, incremental, uh, systemic you know, shifts or changes to, I don't know, actually have an intentional discipleship pathway. Yeah, the big thing, honestly, and, and the book all throughout it, it really has audits and assessments and, and discussion questions for teams to process and, mm-hmm. and for really you to process with someone else so that it's it really moves to implementation. Yeah. So, uh, but but here's kind of the, the big idea there are things that we as a church do, and, and oftentimes if you're a church leader, you're thinking, hey, what kind of programs or studies or discipleship guides or, or, or ways of doing discipleship, what can we offer the church? Mm-hmm. But the goal is not really to have a well thought out program to offer. The goal is to help everyone become a self-feeder hmm. so that they own their faith and can draw near to Christ themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. The church is there. I mean, we worship weekly 
not because that's the only time to worship, but it's because we're going to, you know, every day we get 5,000 marketing messages, mm-hmm. right? And it's the one time a week, or, you know, if you have a missional community, the, the other kind of main frequent consistent time a week where you are reminded, hey, I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not who I know, mm-hmm. right? I'm not what I've done. Hey, I'm a child of God. I'm loved regardless, mm-hmm. right? And, and my identity is not tied to my accomplishments, Right. My identity is not tied to any of this junk that the world tries to throw on us. And we're reminded of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's so important. But we spend so much more time outside of <laughs> the church yeah. worship service and missional communities. That's like, hey, if that's all it is, that's going to get them to a point. But they really need to own and be a self feeder. Right. Right. So the, by the end of the book, I really I really challenge the reader to say, OK, as you create a discipleship pathway, after you've thought through and worked through these audits and questions and really come to an understanding of how you disciple the way that you disciple by the end, it's like, OK, what are what are those ongoing what are those ongoing steps that you can cultivate and create and help every person in your church embody? Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the rhythms that Soma yeah. has. Right. It's yeah. those it's those ongoing things that everyone can own. So there's there's a lot of and that's why there's no silver bullet, because you can't yeah. really go to the last chapter mm-hmm. and just like read the chapter called your discipleship pathway <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, exactly. I'm done. I'm good. Because then you would that would be your silver bullet. <laughs> right. Exactly. The shifts are like, no, this is these are their assessments. There are things that you need to work through. I mean, I love this quote by Sun Shu. He wrote The Art of War, and, and it's kind of my paraphrase of his quote. He says, if you know your enemy, you're going to win half the time. But if you know yourself, you're going to win the other half. Hmm. And our society is so consumed with knowing our enemy, or let's switch that word, with knowing what the big church down the road is doing, yeah. or knowing what, what that person is doing, or reading their biography and doing this. And there, we spend hmm. so much time on others that we don't actually reflect and be like, hey, actually, no, God has designed me this way. Yeah. God has called my church uniquely to be like this. Even if you're a church plant. Yeah. Right. And and you're like, even if you're a church plant, you're like, well, I don't have any baggage, no cultural. There, there's no, there's no like church memory culture. <laughs> no, there is because yeah. people are, are your church. <laughs> right. And they're all bringing that in. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was just meeting with a leader uh, before we got on this call who uh, had started, you know, a community in Michigan before he moved out here to LA. And he was talking about how he thought it would be so awesome because, you know, he has this vision of ideal community that he was going to start. And if he started it, he could build it exactly that way. But then what happened was he got these people that, uh, and his analogy was, he's like, I essentially got like five screws and one hammer to build my ideal and that wouldn't work at all. And so I had to think, well, what, what is God going to lead me to help steward and care and cultivate these five screws and hammer? Because that's actually what, what God gave me or, or as, you know, Eugene Peterson says, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as a green beret Christian, you know, Mm. like if you're, if you're hoping for, you know, the special forces to come in that will do everything that you say. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And no. and so, yeah, I, I really appreciate, you know, what you're saying there, which is, you know, how do we stop looking over the fence yeah. to say, to see what they have. Um, and instead kind of look like at our own, 
uh, garden, so to speak, and say, what can we, what can we actually grow here with who we are, the, the gifts that we have, the history yeah. that we have, and the, the process that God has given us. Yeah. yeah. So I really appreciate that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Daniel, is there anything that is like, you know, in our conversation today that you're like, man, I wish we would have talked about this, about <laughs> this book that we totally missed. What I'm most excited about this book is that it's, it's, the, the subtitle is small shifts, right? I like saying these are five micro shifts mm-hmm. that lead to macro change, hmm. right? So when I look at the book and when I look at how I've helped churches already implement and, and work through these concepts and I myself have as well, you know, I'm thinking, hey, you know, you can pick up a book and pick up this book. And if you don't have a discipleship pathway, then mm-hmm. the book's going to help you create one, right? But if you, if you, if you do then what are small shifts? Maybe even if you take one of the chapters and you're like, hey, we actually don't really have a defined understanding of what maturity is, mm-hmm. right? How can we move towards that? And, and there's so many ways to to understand the church and understand what the church is supposed to be and do and and what pastors and church leaders are supposed to, how, how they're supposed to spend their time, right? But if you think three words, right? Vision, strategy, mm-hmm. and values. Yeah. Right. And I know there's a lot of people who talk about this especially but if i I just really wanted to simplify it because i always Mm -hmm. find a lot of a lot of the language out there is a little complex for me personally yeah so i'm thinking vision okay if every church Mm. has a vision um if you want to call it vision or if you want to call it mission i don't really care but you know it's it's every (laughs) church's vision should be a contextualized version of the great commission and great commandment that's what i care about right yeah you can word it the way you want to word it but it's, yeah. it has to be a great commission, great commandment type of vision, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And yeah. the way we get there, you know, the strategy, you know, so the vision is where we're going, the, the strategy, like the what we're doing in order mm-hmm. to get there. Every church's strategy is, is, is composed of two strands. It's your discipleship pathway and your leadership pipeline. Hmm. Right. Your discipleship pathway is maturing people towards Christ. Your leadership pipeline is equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. Right. And everything a church does, whether it's Sunday school or missional communities or or worship service or or leadership development, everything, absolutely everything that a church does, what that they do is either your discipleship pathway or your leadership pipeline. The, but what differentiates the mm-hmm. way that you do it and get to your vision than the one than, than the church down the road are your values. Right. Your values, yeah. your culture. Right. So. Just to simplify, you know, with those three words, vision, strategy, and values, honestly, the, the book really focuses in on helping you identify what your discipleship pathway is. Because that's like, that's the majority of what a church needs to be and do. And, right. you know, Leslie Newbegin says, yeah. a church, you know, you need to be, it's a church is a sign instrument and a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Right. So how do we do right. that? Yeah, I think that that even applies so much to just my own daily life, my own leading of our of our church. You know, I just stepped into a whole new church here in Los Angeles. And so I'm even trying to discover those yeah. things all along the way. Like which it really kind of holds the the fact that, you know, there there's no like cookie cutter of missional community life because I'm here in a Soma church just like I was in Portland, but I'm still wondering like how how do we form and shape disciples? What is it that we're you know, proactively, intentionally calling people into, and then what do we expect in return? Because, you know, as you're saying, we all have the same calling. 
uh, as every church on any mm-hmm. block, but then how are we going to actually express yeah. that? And I think it's, yeah, it's just a really helpful book. I can see it having a big impact, especially, you know, after all the, the, the generations of just saying, oh, this worked really well in Papua New Guinea. So let's do that exact same thing in yeah. Philadelphia. <laughs> or this worked great in Southern California. Now we can just copy and yeah. paste uh, with our people here. And so, yeah, just super insightful. And uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for it. Thanks, Brad. So. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a great you know, rest of your week and book promotion and all that. You know, I know it's really heavy. I was once in that boat and I was complaining about it. And one of my, one of my uh, old professors from a seminary said, well, you're not trying to promote yourself. You're promoting Christ. So, you know, celebrate that. And if you're not promoting Christ, then don't do it. And uh, that's good. I appreciate your genuine, like just love for the church. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's why I dedicated the book I'll read it here. It's the book's dedicated to pastors and church leaders everywhere. You are the true heroes. Thanks for sticking Mm. with it. Let's finish well. And that's my prayer. And that's my heart that Mm. we can be faithful, you know, faithful in the little, whatever that little is that we can all be faithful. I'm I'm praying and hoping that this book uh, can be an encouragement to pastors, church leaders, disciples, lay leaders everywhere to, to just be faithful. Amen. That's a good place to end. And yeah, thank you again for joining us. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.